Victor Wembenyama. What are we actually seeing with this kid? What are we witnessing? Strangely, despite the insanely rare and sort of peculiar seven foot four, 200 pound frame, and for context, Shaq played professional basketball games at twice Wembenyama's weight. Despite that rare look that makes every still image the guy takes a social media oddity, we've actually seen people in the NBA with his body type before. What we've never seen is anyone with that body type who plays this game. And in only the fifth NBA game of his career, Big Vic locked horns with his idol, Kevin Wayne Durant and his newfangled team in Phoenix. So how did Wemby do? The Spurs had a big lead, but Katie Booker and the Suns came back and tied the game inside the last five minutes. This was the first chance any of us got to see Wembenyama under some real NBA pressure. And he would not disappoint. Wembenyama scored five more points to break the tie. And with two minutes remaining, found himself with the opportunity to close the game. A broken play found the seven foot four Frenchman 30 feet from the hoop, one on one against his defender beyond the three point line. So naturally, of course, the seven foot four guy wheels around, shakes his defender with a one dribble pull up three that goes right to the bottom of the net. One more elbow jumper caps his night, 38 points in his fifth NBA game. The Victor Wembenyama era starts right now on First Battle. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame, but only if they're good enough. I'm your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, half Filipino, half the Jewish, half of Jordan Farmar, the Draymond Green, Luke Walton hybrid who never made the league because he had other things to do. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I am the best Lakers fan, Mr. Not Always Right, but never, ever wrong. The five-star recruit, the four-star podcast host, the three-star husband coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal office depot, big and tall, executive suite, desk chair. The first Ballot Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by... Ball is Life and the Ball is Life podcast network. Follow the team over at Ball is Life. Check out the other shows they do on their network. At Ball is Life on all platforms. And remember, Ball, it is life. Today's episode of the podcast could be sponsored by, now I'm willing to to be very clear, I'm willing to be sponsored by anyone or anything, but today's episode of this podcast in particular, it could be sponsored by this internet clip of a guy getting absolutely jacked up about a steak he's getting ready to have for lunch on a Monday. I just heard it before this record. Let's listen to it together. Fuck, man. (laughs) Fucking steak, baby. Yeah. The ribeye, mashed potatoes, beans, yeah, baby, fuck. <laughs> Fucking steak, yeah. Monday brunch, baby, fuck. This is what to make of your Monday, fuck. Any day, it's what what makes it your day, make it a happy one, fuck, man. Fuck. Fucking steak, baby, yeah. Fucking Monday. Yeah, fucking Monday, baby. Fucking Monday. Steak, baby. Fucking Monday. Fuck. All right. Make Monday a good day, baby. Yeah. Oh, man. Fantastic. Uh, now, our guest, you've not been introduced yet, so you have to keep your answers short because you've not been formally introduced. Well, well you're going to do that in just a second. Have you heard that clip before? Do you know the fuck Steak Monday guy? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a clip I just saw. Guy's clearly excited about his Monday brunch. 
And then some guy made a TikTok. This is the video I actually saw. Is some guy he's got on a like a dry erase board, like um, fuck and Monday and steak, and then he's putting a mark every on the board on the whiteboard every time that guy <laughs> says one of those words. It's really funny. We'll put it on. We'll put it on our socials at first uh, ballot uh, hof on Instagram at first ballot pod on Twitter. I realize those should be the same. And now, what makes what is the we spend a lot of time on this podcast debating what makes something special. What is the best part of that clip? I'm not certain. There's a lot to consider. I'm going to play just a few selections. I'm going to get our guests a very short, truncated response to those clips. I might add a little bit of context. Let's go. Here uh, is my first uh, option for the best part of that clip. The ribeye, mashed potatoes, beans. Yeah, baby, fuck. Pretty good, right? Yeah, I don't think that'll be beat because uh, the beans part, he just opens a world of questions for me. So that's that's what I would have chosen. Just the word beans if I had a choice. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Just the word beans uh, has a real chance. Let's listen to the next clip. What makes it your day? Make it a happy one. Fuck, man. Fuck. Fucking steak, baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like the, the, the fuck, the three fucks in a row. There's three consecutive fucks after again uh considering what he's having for for brunch yeah that one's pretty good motivational that one's yeah. if you're if you're feeling a little optimistic and here's our last op- here's our last option uh, for best moment of this clip this fuck monday steak clip guy yeah fucking monday baby fucking monday steak baby fucking monday <laughs> no, that's that's insane. That part is it's that borderlines on insane. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. To just be like fuck steak, fucking Monday. Yeah, he's just he can't even get the words out. He's so excited. That, that's it. It's it, he's he's really thrilled about what's going on. It's a lot to consider. You might be right. It could just be the word beans. Yeah, uh, you know, we'll we'll have to we'll have to spend an episode on this at a future date. Uh, the point is the fuck steak guy Monday. He, give me some money and I'll promote all of your videos. You're a legend. You're fantastic. Victor Wembanyama's 38 point breakout game against the Phoenix Suns is a great sports moment. But is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? We have to decide that today. And here to do it with me, a guy I'm really excited to meet. He's a legend in these Twitter streets. You might know him from his incredible avatar, George Costanza, with a tight fade and AirPods. He's a writer, producer, and executive producer working at Vice Underdog Fantasy. And if I may say so myself, most importantly, the immortal Jesus Amaro. He's the man Jesus Nice described as having Big Gary Sheffield energy. Can't think of too many sentences better than that. It's YC on the bird, Mr. Robert McRae. Robert, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> thank you for having me. That was a great intro. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for the time. Table set for me. People want to learn uh, about you. And to do, to do that on this show, we do it succinctly. Name your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time. Favorite sport, definitely basketball. Favorite team, the New York Knicks. Favorite athlete of all time. That's a tough one. If I'm going basketball, I'm going J.R. Smith. But if I'm going any other sport, I'm going Bernie Williams for the New York Yankees. Okay, okay. So hold on. Let's get let's get down to brass tacks here. You have to choose one name. So okay. it's ultimately your decision. It's it does not have to be in basketball. It can be who it's it, the the answer is whoever is your favorite athlete of all time. I'll say J.R. Smith. Got it. J.R. Smith, a fantastic answer. Teaches us a lot about you. I appreciate it. I've written all of those down so I can have them uh, and and use them for later in this episode. I know I have a J.R. Smith reference here later coming up. Um, it is interesting that you debated not having your favorite athlete be from your favorite team. I guess that's in a small way related to the fact that your favorite team is the Knicks. To some extent, yes. I also think that uh, J.R. Smith is a little bit of an unconventional choice to some extent. Uh, he hasn't had a lot. He hasn't had a ton of uh, 
traditional accolades, but he's had right. plenty of uh, non-traditional accolades, yes. and I guess that's why he's actually my true favorite, and I should have just been more courageous in, 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 own, in owning that choice. There's not a ton of crossover between Bernie Williams and J.R. Smith either, aside from the sort of role-player New York athlete guy, but I appreciate that, that both of them are, are high on your list. Um, can we talk a bit about the NBA today? Can we start this episode by discussing your your sort of takes on on today's NBA? Sure. Is there anything specific that you're you're yeah, curious about yes. in terms of today's who, NBA? Who looks good to you? Are there any surprise teams? Like, is there someone that sort of you go, shit? I didn't see this team doing this. This at you know, whatever we are, a, a third in, of the way into the season. Who do you like? Um, I think, again, with the Knicks jokes and the history of the Knicks, I think the Knicks are a very good team, very competent at least. So I'm happy about that. And uh, I think last year's playoffs was a, was a good showcase of that. So they're not doing anything unexpected. They're kind of keeping the train moving, which is all I can ask for as a Knicks fan. Um, Houston has looked really good when I thought they would be really awful. Yes. Um, so that is, a to me, one of the bigger surprises yeah, you Udoka. Uh, I mean, I if you had asked me before this season, does coaching matter? I'd be like, yeah, in the margins, like at the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. in the margins. I'd be like, of course. Like, I'm I I prefer a Phil Jackson or a Pop, like in a game seven in the NBA Finals. But like by and large, does it really matter? And then Udoka comes and flips that Rockets thing. Oh, those guys play hard. They play well. That is a completely different team this year. And I, I guess hats off to that dude, despite being, you know, likely. I, listen, I guess we don't technically know what happened in his past, so I won't comment on it. But uh, you know, something clearly happened. But I guess hey, he can coach. So we're all going to look the other way. Is that what we've decided? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of. I think I think I agreed with you in the sense that I I never thought coaching mattered all that much, and also there are different objectives for different coaches. Like you mentioned, the traditional like playoff game seven guys that you'd want to have, and then there are other coaches who will take your franchise from garbage to respectability and develop yeah. your young players. Like coaches can do different things, but I never imagined the Rockets would be would play the style of basketball they're playing more than even this the results. Totally yeah. agree. Do you does the does the Udoka uh, trash talking to LeBron, which I presume that you've seen, does that affect your opinion of him as a coach? How does that what do you when you see him talking shit to LeBron James, who could arguably be the best basketball player that's ever played, and you see him talking spicy on the sidelines, does that change your opinion of Udoka as a coach? Um, I don't think it changes my opinion of him as a coach. I think anything a coach does that's a little bit extracurricular like that, um, it's more about whether it's true to their personality. And I assume that it is in this case. (laughs) He's kind of on the younger side. He probably was in the league at the same time at LeBron at some point. There probably was some crossover, I'm assuming. Um, So it it, it strikes me as genuine. I think it's more about whether it's genuine or not when a coach uh, crosses into stuff like that. It looked pretty genuine to me. Like he looked pretty under control, which is the, I guess is the creepy Mm -hmm. way to scare someone is when you can talk (laughs) shit and be really under control and calm about it. I don't know. I feel like Udoka has probably been in some fistfights. And and again, going back to, you know, the fact that maybe we don't know uh, what (laughs) happened in his past. Maybe there was some, some sort of physical confrontation. Do you have any prediction on the season? And any who do you think if you look at the the again the first what is it, whatever it's been third of the season, what is your prediction for the finals? Prediction for the finals. I think I have a pretty vanilla prediction at this point. It's still very early, but in that case, I do. Uh, Celtics Nuggets. Yeah. I think the Nuggets repeat in the West, and I think the Celtics. You know, unless something dramatic happens or something catastrophic happens, they seem like they are going to be hard to stop out of the East nuggets at full strength still look fucking nasty. I, you know, I like to, I like to um, take it away from teams that aren't the Lakers. Like I like to chop the legs out Mm -hmm. from teams that aren't the Lakers, this nuggets team, they're pretty nasty. And if they win this title, you're going to have to, I think you, there's a, they have a legitimate chance of being considered one of the great, truly great basketball teams of all time. uh, If they win this title, it's, it'll be something to watch. They're, They're really in a window. They're really in a nice window. Mm-hmm. I'm a little afraid of the Nuggets, to be perfectly honest. The Celtics, Rob actually censor the word Celtics anytime I say this or Rob says this going forward. Celtics, Celtics, Celtics. 
Celtics. Thank you so much, Rob. I don't like the Celtics. I won't watch their games. But, man, do they have a ton of defenders that I like. And, again, they're not just good defenders. They're actually, like, defenders that I really enjoy watching play. Mm -hmm. Championship-level defense. To me, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again here. Whether the Celtics can actually contend and or win a title, to me, boils down to one thing. And it's do they have a superstar? And I know that Jason Tatum is the front runner. For, you know, most people think he is a superstar. Maybe he is. I don't know. Who am I? I don't know anything. All I know is you need a superstar in the NBA playoffs. You need a superstar in the NBA finals. If you've got a championship level defense and you've got a bunch of, you know, good players on your team, a decent offense, your coach, you feel good about your coach and what he's doing. What does it boil down to? It boils down to do you have a guy that can take over two games in the NBA Finals and win and get you to a title. That's what it boils down to. I tweeted in the last season, if the Celtics don't win this title, it's because they don't have a superstar. I think that might be the case. Your thoughts? Oh, I think this is the year where he can prove it, I said. I think he's just right on the cusp. He's just done everything except for the full playoff performance. And I think that's all it's kind of missing um, with the team success, of course. So... I think if they, I think if they win the East, that solidifies it um, for me. I think he's a, he's a, if he's not a superstar already, he's very close. Um, I would say he's a superstar, but I, I think that there are, there are tiers, and people have different opinions on that, obviously. But I think he, I think he proves it this year. I think if they lose, here's what I'll say: if the Celtics again, you've Rob has dutifully censored all of these. If the Celtics lose in this playoffs at any point in time, Eastern conference playoffs or the nba finals i think he's one tick away from being podcast p i think he's palmdale george which is fine and no disrespect to paul george who i love watching play i think he's fantastic but i don't think anybody's going paul george can be the number one guy on a title team and i think that's what we're discussing jason tatum wildly successful very good the second he gets a chance to leave the and to go play for the Lakers. I will welcome him with open arms. <laughs> I will change my tune. I will go, I love this guy. I've always loved this guy. But I think there's a chance that he could be in that Paul George, Pau Gasol, like phenomenal number two, but maybe was never a number one guy. I think he'd have to fall pretty far to get the Paul George treatment. Wow. That seems a little harsh, wow. in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I know people regard Paul George. I think, I think he's on a different <laughs> level already. I don't know. Fantastic. I, I do like that. I will say I think Paul George's defense at his peak was better than anything that Jason Tatum does. I think it's I think a big thing with Paul George is just the health. I think it's hard yeah, to evaluate. Like you right. said, at that's his peak when he's healthy, but the the cumulative stuff, I think the durability piece matters more than we might uh more than we might admit sometimes. You have one guy. Is there one player that sort of has broken through that's making the leap that you are the most excited about their future? One guy. Well, I hate to admit it, but I, I would have to pick Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, he's been he's taken it up another level. Um, he was a guy the Knicks could have drafted, as many nice. Knicks fans will tell you. I am not one of them because I'd prefer not to you know remember that. Uh, but I think he's just, it's just like, he's always been a guy, even in college where it was like, he was super efficient. He was, but he didn't really use many possessions. So you never thought, I think the whole reason why he fell as far as he did was there were questions of whether he could be a primary ball handler in the NBA and like a number one guy. And he just keeps doing it in like ridiculous ways. And, uh, I gotta, I gotta tip my hat to him. You know, he's, he's been great. And I think if he gets any better, it's going to be very ridiculous, uh, Jokic like lines he's putting up every night. He really is. Does the, does the look of his jumper affect your enjoyment of his game at all? Uh, no, not at all. Because I'm of the uh, age group where, you know, like Kevin Martin was right. uh, part of my <laughs> formative <laughs> NBA watching. You know what I mean? And like uh, Sean Marion. Right. Uh, I've seen a lot of ugly jumpers. His doesn't really rate, you know? That's fair. That's fair. That makes total sense. That was also the word. As you started that sentence, I was like formative. And then you said it. That's a, that's very funny. Uh, yeah. It. I would say it does affect me a little bit. Like, I, I don't know why, but I feel like... I take him less seriously because I think his jumper is not 
um, beautiful. And you expect the guy that plays in Indiana is a point guard. You just expect <laughs> him to have a gorgeous looking jumper. That uh, that that does affect me. I see your Tyrese and I raise you a Maxi. Uh, Tyrese Maxi can fucking play. What are your thoughts on Tyrese Maxi? Oh, he's a beast. I mean, he's he's always been very good in the sim in a similar way to Halliburton, where you're like, oh, he's efficient, but can he ramp it up in terms of volume and being kind of number one perimeter option? And again, he's just doing it in like it's like guys you don't expect. He's not like a physically imposing yes. the guy you look at. You know, he doesn't look like Anthony Edwards out there. He's not the he's not where you expect the like superstar production to come from. But obviously he's doing it and he's just been getting better, like significantly better every year he's been in the league, like like Tyrese. So I think that's why it's been um, fun to watch him. Just a straight, you know, the up the, the graph line on him is vertical, you know. 100%. Uh, let's yeah. dive into Victor Wembanyama to decide whether Wemby's 38-point breakout game goes into the first ballot Hall of Fame. We have to go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first category, the first credential, as always, as usual, analytics, the numbers. Here are some stats behind this moment. Rob, I'm going to go through them. You jump in where where you have some comments. 19 years old. This kid is 19 years old. This is his fifth game in the NBA. What were you like as a 19-year-old, Rob? Oh, I was a piece of shit. Piece of <laughs> I mean, shit. <laughs> I mean, not in a malicious way, just in a in a not uh, contributing member of society right. way. You know what I mean? Like you were. Um, what were you good at yeah. at nineteen? Were you good at anything nothing. at nineteen? <laughs> nothing. Right. Nothing. And definitely not at like. I wish I was as good at anything, even if it was laundry. Even as good as as at that as when being Yama is as good at anything. You know, I, I wasn't. It's, it's funny because, like, if you said to me, what was I good at at 19, and you really made me answer something, I could come up with an answer. But if you were like, were you actually good at it? I'd be like, no, for sure, decidedly <laughs> not good at it. And it's so it's crazy to see a 19-year-old be – if you think about it in this way – I mean, Rob just said it. 19-year-olds are pieces of shit. There is damn near not a 19-year-old on the planet that's good at anything. And for this guy to be this good at something this difficult against these dudes, is, it is really fascinating to think about. Uh, in only 34 minutes of game time, he was 15 of 26 from the floor. That's 58%. 3 of 6 from deep. That's 50% from distance. And 5 of 6 from the line. 83% from the stripe. 10 boards. Two offensive, one steal, two blocks, 38 points total. Ten of his points came in the final five minutes of the game. Uh, three teenagers have posted 35 points, 10 rebounds, and two blocks in a game. The other two, other than Wembenyama, LeBron James, and Kevin Durant. The numbers, when you stack them up and you start comparing them historically, they do stack up favorably. It is crazy to think about. It's hard not to get really excited about him. If I was a Spurs fan, I would be very excited about him. I'm going to do my best as a Lakers fan to, again, chop some wood and take him down a peg. We'll see how that goes. Uh, let's look at some more stats here. Uh, what, Rob, here's the questions to you. What do you think his – now, this was his fifth game. He's since played, you know, 10, 20 more. I don't know how what uh, how many games the Spurs have played. Oh, no, no, I do. They're 3-16 and 16 as of the recording of this podcast. The Spurs are 3 and 16. What do you think Wembenyama's field goal percentage is as of this recording? I would assume about 50, high 48, 40s, high 40s, 50, 50 even. 43%. Uh, all right. Just for clarity, for comparison's sake, Russell Westbrook shoots 43% as well. What do mm. you think, Rob? What do you think his three point percentage is uh, through 19 games of his rookie season? Mm, probably a third, 33. 27%. So he's a little lower than you believe. And by the by, I would have been right about at your numbers. The Spurs, mm. as I just mentioned, they're three and sixteen. Here's another stat: the Spurs have not won a game since this contest we're talking about. They have lost fourteen straight as of this taping. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> they are three and sixteen. They have not won a game since. So as we're, it is very easy to get very excited about this kid. Granted. 
He plays a style of basketball that I think I can earnestly and honestly say I've never seen before. But he's not exactly affecting winning the way I thought that he might. There is a weird situation, too, though, because on one hand, when you're a talented rookie on a bad team, there is some question about the infrastructure around you. Like, that's the question right now around Kate Cunningham, for example. Um, But you got Popovich. Mm -hmm. You got the, you know, one of the best front offices in the league regarded by many as that. But they are doing some weird things. Like, I mean, it is a. Jeremy Sohan still yep. starting at yep. point guard for yep. them. Yep. Yeah, that just doesn't seem like a thing. <laughs> like again, I guess I guess the question is, are they doing all this weird stuff because the development is just a hundred percent the goal, right. and like they're practicing in regular season games? And is there a downside to doing that if that even is the case? It's a great question. They really do. They have a three and D wing for all intents and purposes, running point. Uh, in Sohan, which is weird. You know, it's sort of interesting to think about because the whole, like, you know, Wemby is a one-of-a-kind guy. You sort of realize in considering the Spurs that having a once-in-a-lifetime guy affects the coaching and the teammates as well in that Popovich has never coached someone like this kid. He's clearly coached other great bigs, but he's never coached somebody that plays like this dude. And it's the same thing with the teammates. Like you, there are far less lobbing and far less post-up than I would presume. And I have to assume going forward, the coaching, the teammates, uh, the the strategy, the the gameplay will start to get more curtailed around Wembenyama. It doesn't feel like he's optimized yet. And so as you consider the numbers that he had in this game and consider the numbers he's had in, the, in this rookie season so far, it is decidedly not optimized. It, it, in theory, this only gets much, much better. Absolutely. I mean, I think – you know, I'm going to go ahead and question uh, Popovich's coaching. I know that's something many people don't do and shouldn't, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> to your point, I feel like you're giving his teammates too many things to adjust to. Right. So you, the, the team is starting two centers. They're starting a power, fo- a point power forward, right. essentially, who's a second year guy, probably, you know, good passer, but never, you know, played full time point guard. Um, he's like a hustle guy, you know, he's like a, you know, a little like mini Rodman clone uh, playing point guard. And I feel like it's too many things to make sense of if you are the other guys in the lineup, if you are the, the Keldon Johnson or, you know, the, if you're a uh, Vassell or whatever. Well, let me you, you mentioned a couple of these teammates. I want to go even further again, just researching the Spurs, who, again, I don't watch. I'm a Lakers fan. I don't watch these guys. I start poking through their roster, and they might lead the league in 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 dudes I've never ever heard before in my life. Let me go through some of these names: Sandro Mamu Kilishvili, <laughs> Charles Bassey, Charles Bassey, Malachi Branham. Has anybody heard any of these names? Scotty Tolentine, Dominic Barlow, Blake Wesley. Have you heard of any of those guys? Have you honestly heard of any of those dudes before? There may be one or two, well, maybe. Let, I mean, you named like seven dudes. Let me tell you, Scotty Tolentine, who I mentioned in the middle, he's not even – I just put that name in there. That's not even a real player. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but he blends right in with the Dominic yeah, Barlow. Like, and never in my life have I heard of a Dominic Barlow playing uh, basketball, it, 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 let alone at the, Yeah, right, let alone at the professional level, for God's sakes. And Dominic Barlow may be a fantastic player. I've just never heard of him. And that's a byproduct right. of having the name Dominic Barlow. It's a byproduct of being presumably early in his career and a byproduct of playing in San Antonio, which I just don't care about and will never care about. Yeah, I just looked it up. He doesn't even have a college listed, so he might be uh, <laughs> the, off the right off the street. You never know. <laughs> right off the street. The other stat that I looked up very quickly and saw, uh, which has nothing to do with anything that we've talked about, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is having a whale of a season. 29.9 points per game, 5.5 boards per game, 6.3 assists, 2.5 steals, basically a block per game, on 53, 36, and 94 shooting splits. I went and compared it against Harden's MVP season, and it compares 
quite favorably. <laughs> Shea uh, Harden has a half point more per game, but on worse shooting, he has two more assists per game. Harden does has two more assists than Shea Alexander, but mm-hmm. uh, he loses to Shea in every other category: rebounds, steals, blocks. Uh, Shea has less turnovers, and now Harden is in LA trying to save the Clipper season. And Shea Gilgis Alexander was sold for pennies on the dollar and is now in OKC thriving. Just a wild turn of events. Clippers fans have got to loathe that straight that trade. No, I guess you have to, but I don't think anyone expected this either. He's a very good player. He's a lottery pick, I believe, but late lottery. But uh, this is just and if you watch any of those games, he has to start and end so many of those possessions, yes. too. It's not like uh, they're getting him a lot of easy looks like I've seen so many times where they're just kind of like we need a bucket and he's just going to take it end to end and like pull up. You know, and he and he gets it. So um, it's crazy that he's that efficient. That I didn't realize. I wonder if there's anyone that thinks Paul does. And do people think like? Well, here's my question to you. I'm not going to ask this as a, I'm going to ask you, Rob. I'm not going to ask this as a hypothetical. Is Paul George better than Shea Gilgis Alexander? No, I don't think so. Not currently. Man, that's rough. That's fucking rough okay here's the the last question on the thunder do you believe in the oklahoma city thunder do you believe they're going to be a top uh four or five team in the west i don't think so um i just can't see it i still feel like it's such a strangely constructed team even though you know shay's a incredible player um and the west i just i just don't see it i see them as a solid playoff team but if they made a lot of noise in the playoffs i think it would surprise everyone yeah i gotta be honest i don't watch uh them ever because i don't like okc i don't like i find the Mm -hmm. the city and the town with even where they're like where the team plays is boring i find the team and the franchise boring i think their jerseys are fucking awful I kind of hate that the team even exists. They stole a team and a great team from Seattle. I think their owner is like an oil fracker, which I don't love supporting either. So I never watched them. So I don't know. I did not watch the Laker game when when OKC played the Lakers because I presumed that OKC would blow out the Lakers, and they did. So, But I don't (laughs) know if they're any good because I just basically refused to watch them. But it sounds like they got a guy that's maybe top 10 in the league, which is amazing. And again, his stats right now, quite favorably compares to Harden's MVP season. A lot to think about. All right. The next credential, we got to move on. The next credential is our eye test. What did we see during this game? As you rewatch the clips, as you rewatch the highlights, Rob, in preparation for this podcast, what did you see in the game tape that sticks out to you as special? They were there. He was just scoring every possible way, just like end to end transition stuff, lobs, the normal stuff you would, you know, expect. And then he would just, you know, do those drill up, pull up, dribble, like pull up threes, like Shea Gilgis Alexander, but yeah. seven foot four, you know what I mean? Crazy. And he had a couple, he had, he had more than one dunk. The dunks where it's not really a dunk, but you're so high above the rim. You just throw it in from the sky. He had several of those when I feel like when Blake Griffin did that for the first time, it was so impressive. And he's just doing it three or four times a game. Cause he's seven, four and has, you know, go, go gadget arms. His my eye test when I look at this footage, strangely he's got really good form. And I again, mm-hmm. it's we talked about the aesthetics of a jumper earlier as it pertained to Tyrese Halliburton. As I watch Wemby, I go, he's got really good form. Like he doesn't shoot like a big man. Like he's got a nice flow to his jumper. What sticks out the most to me in his shooting form is he holds his hands, he really holds the gooseneck, and that offhand is really up, and it really accentuates the size of his big, stupid hands. They are <laughs> really silly looking, and I again, I say this with respect, they they, they fit his, his frame uh, 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 proportionally perfectly. Great looking dude, congratulations to Victor Wembignana. Fantastic look to him, but his hands are crazy big. There are there's a picture of him holding a baseball online. It looks like a goddamn gumball in his hand. It vanishes. The ball's fucking gone. Uh, the Nuggets Jalen Pickett sort of went and shook his hand, Wemby's hand at, at half court before a game, and then sort of lost his mind talking about how big uh, Wemby's hands are. And then the the one that stuck out to me as I sort of start googling Victor Wembanyama's hands. 
he there's a clip of him palming a basketball with two fingers, his thumb and his middle <laughs> finger, and he palms a ball with two fingers. <laughs> That's so crazy. It's crazy, and I don't know why, but I watch him shoot that jumper, and goddamn, do those hands really stick out? They stick out to me. Uh, the other thing, Wemby doesn't get fouled the way I expect him to get fouled. Like, Robert, you're old enough to have uh, seen Sean Bradley pay, play, correct? Right. Bradley correct. would get folded up like a goddamn uh, uh, cheap suit every game because someone's just going to go take a whack at him. They don't. They aren't doing that yet to Wembenyama. I'm not sure why, but uh, 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 do you agree? Do you disagree? Nobody's really like taking a shot at this kid yet. I wonder if it's partly how the game is called today. Yeah. Not better or worse, just right. different, right. I'll say. Um, there's that. And I also think there's a little bit of, especially at that point in this game, uh, a little bit of being in awe and like a little bit confused yeah. as to like what you should be right. even doing on the defensive end. So I can see a little bit of, uh, you know, a coach trying to tell you, you know, get physical with him. And you're like, how am I supposed to? He just reaches over me and dribbles around me and he's seven foot four and fast and coordinated. Like to your point, you know, I grew up watching basketball. We're not I'm not used to seeing tall, thin guys who are coordinated. They're usually oafs, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. Let me run down the oafs, the list of oafs that are seven, <laughs> four or higher in the NBA. There's I think four thirteen or fourteen dudes. Georgie Marishan, seven seven, right. Newt Bull, seven seven, Sean Bradley, seven six, Yao Ming, seven six, Taco Fall, seven six. Chuck Nevitt, 7'5", who I remember. Chuck Nevitt, very tall, awkward, white. Sim Bueller, I believe, is the Indian guy, 7'5". Pavel Colson, Russian, 7'5". I don't think he ever really played in the league. Slavko Vrains, 7'5". Mark Eaton, 7'4". Ralph Sampson, 7'4". Rick Smith, 7'4". And somebody named Priest Lauderdale. I've never heard that name ever in my life. As I look at all of those dudes, there is an awkwardness to all of them. Wemby is the Absolutely. only guy that doesn't come off as super awkward. I think the last two names, other than Priest Lauderdale, are the ones that stick out to me. Ralph Sampson and Rick Smiths. He kind of has Ralph's frame, and he kind of has Rick Smiths's outside touch. It's interesting to think of, for me, for those two guys to be like the sort of player comp, like, you know, these two things lay over each other. Uh, because neither of those guys are legends. And I think Wemby has a chance to be a legendary player. But if I have to choose two guys and sort of go, he's here are my player comps, I think I go Rick Smith, Ralph Sampson. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that sometimes because he's so coordinated and skilled, and you mentioned like he doesn't have the, he has like a pretty good looking jumper. Like my mind goes to KD as like, right. Uh, a rich man's like a, a high a high level outcome like uh if he hits everything he and he looks like KD out here but he's also you know blocking three block three shots a game that's kind of a high end outcome but I mean also to your point with the with the with the jumper form I mean he's shooting well from the free throw line yes. so I think that like also mm -hmm. you know portends good things for his his long long term shooting yeah hundred percent. And as I look at that list of seven four dudes, we think about those some of those names, and you go, why didn't those guys last? Well, the answer, almost without question, is injury. Mm -hmm. Mark Eaton had a fairly long career for seven four, but the Rick Smiths, I guess, as well. But the rest of those dudes, chronically injured, and it begs the question: Is this is Wemby going to be able to stay healthy? I feel like that's the only thing that could potentially derail him at this point. If you presume that he's 19 and you presume the coaching and the teammates and the learning how to play with him will get better, and you if you believe he's not yet optimized, and I think that's not up for debate, he's going to get better. So what's, what's the hurdle here for him to clear? It's going to be health, which brings me to, for me, bar none, the most fascinating thing I've seen from Wemby. Have you seen that video of him stretching? I have not. Holy shit, Rob. It's going to be in our socials. 
Let me just tell you, there is video of him stretching before. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a practice or a game. But there's video of him stretching. He bends down to touch his toes and basically buries his face in his knees. He sits down and can, like, grab the bottom of his heels. Like, no problem. And he, like, folds down, like, in half. He literally, like, folds at the waist in half all the way down, flat against his legs. You look like It looks like you could stuff him in the overhead compartment of a plane. It's freakish. He does the splits and an easy split. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> the second I saw this video, I retweeted it and added, this is the craziest shit I've seen in years. And I mean that. It's the closest analogy I can make to the video of Wemby stretching is that video of the Warriors singing I'm in love with the Coco. When I watched that video of those Warriors before the title singing I'm in love with the Coco, I went, fuck, those guys love each other. Look at how much fun they're having. And I was like, fuck, this is bad. This is bad if you're a Laker fan or a fan of any other team. These dudes really enjoy each other. They're going to be very very good. And obviously I'm, you know, playing with some house money here. I know that the Warriors became good, but I swear to God, I saw that video and lost my mind. And when I saw Wemby stretching, I thought, fuck, none of these other dudes, Georgie Miris on Taco Fall, Chuck Nevitt, Priest Lauderdale, they can't do this. There's no footage of these dudes doing the split. If this guy <laughs> can stay healthy, if he is this pliable, and he's not going to break down if his knees aren't going to ruin themselves like Andrew Bynum, et cetera. If he stays healthy and like, think about Shaq. Shaq's another guy that I compare it to. Shaq is preternaturally, super, perhaps supernaturally physically gifted, but Shaq was so big that he ended up having, you know, foot and toe problems, ankle problems, et cetera. But, Wemby, if he can somehow stay healthy and he is optimized and he can shoot like KD and learns a post, you know, back to the basket game, whoa, 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 whoa. could this kid be a top 10 player of all time? I think that's the idea. I think that's the ceiling and the health stuff. I think everyone's worried about how small he is, but I think it's a good point to point out that being flexible probably yes. bodes well for the injury history more than anything else, like than being, you know, a muscle bound guy. We've had so many super strong NBA guys who are, you know, all muscle and, and we're hurt all the time. It's just the flexibility thing is, is a game changer potentially. It's funny when you think about his weight to remember that he's 19 and go, you for sure right. will just put on like adult man strength. Uh, and that's, I think that's all he needs to do. Like if he just puts on some strength, uh, but doesn't go crazy and remains this pliable and this flexible. It's it's. I'm yeah. gonna send you this video. You'll fucking lose your mind. I've never seen anything like it. To me, it is far more impressive than anything he's done on a court uh, so far this <laughs> season. It's wild to watch. I've. It's crazy. He looks like an alien. It's crazy. I bet. Uh, the next credential is the ear test. What did we hear in this? Listen, there's it's Sean Elliott was on this call. That's the Suns and the Spurs and the Spurs announcers. They both kind of stink. Sean Elliott works right. for the Spurs. He's got sort of like a Muppet ass voice. Let's listen to Sean Elliott together here for a second. No one's going to get to that one. Jesus. I mean, just terrible. I refuse to talk about any of the calls <laughs> in this game. Instead, let's listen to Wemby on the old man in the three podcast. Let's listen to it. I know what I want. Like I'm, I'm driven from like from the inside of my heart, and like nothing can put me out of my path. And I think some some players are really talented, physically or technically, you know, really really talented, but their mind isn't like as good as their body is. You know what I'm saying? My totem is something bigger than basketball. You know, it's just accomplishing yourself inside this universe, you know? And when I need motivation, when I need energy and I feel tired out, I always remember I'm I'm, I'm free in that universe. I, I do whatever I can and I know what I want to do and nothing's going to stop me from doing it. And it doesn't just stop to basketball. You know, it's, it's about life. Uh, he, Wemby comes off pretty smart to me. I think he's a really bright kid. And I think the craziest thing as I listen to that is, for me, he he's French. He's speaking and he's 19 years old and speaking English basically fluently 
and he's smart and coming off smart. The thing you can't really equate and the thing that we don't really know because we don't we only know these guys as athletes and we can watch them play. But how is this kid smart? He's speaking at least two languages fluently. He's uh, uh, bright. And that might be the thing that ultimately separates him from all these other guys we're comparing him against. This kid might be really, really bright. I think he is. I think he seems like a very smart guy. I think he seems like very driven, very motivated, obviously, to get to this point. If you heard like JJ's reaction to that, he was pretty blown away by it. And obviously, you know, JJ's been around the league and around basketball players and young players and lots of guests and stuff. So his reaction means a lot in that sense. But I'm going to play the devil's advocate for a second. Here we go. (laughs) And I'm going to say that... That particular quote definitely sounds like a, like a 19-year-old, you know, got a little hot, like watching like some Gary Vee videos. Like he definitely like talks a little bit like a, a guy where like life hasn't punched him in the mouth yet. So I'm not – like I said, I stand by my statement. I, I believe he's a smart guy, driven guy, motivated guy. That particular quote, though, I, I remember being young and, and talking shit like that too and like and just not meaning a damn thing. That's so uh, yeah. funny. That's yeah. so funny. Whatever I, do, whatever I do in this universe, you know, I have full control. I've said that before and I was like fucking in my underwear unemployed oh and like God. in my 20s. That is like, so funny. You know, so that part doesn't impress me personally. That's but, yeah. really funny. That, you know that's uh it's like a uh that's like a bob marley poster quote that's like the quote from yeah, a kid got a, bob marley hanging it's a, on it's a, a grind to kind of you know mental <laughs> rise and grind the guy tweets rise and grind every morning at 11 a.m you know <laughs> a great point listen i appreciate you taking wimby down a peg i really like that I'm <laughs> Fair glad enough. That you're here to do it uh before we go on to the next credential rob do you care at all about the in-season tournament how do you think that's going um I personally don't. I know that uh, there have been some jokes about it, especially uh, in in Knicks fans, uh, directed at Knicks fans because we're in it and we're, and we're doing okay. Um, I personally don't care about it. Um, it's fine. I don't, like, have super strong opinions about it, but I don't think it matters that much. The, the, you guys get paid a little extra, which is nice, yeah, I guess. Yeah, why not? Hey, listen, those guys, uh, give them the money. Who cares? Uh, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the schedule is weird. It, to, to me, you go to – I didn't know this going into the, the season, but when they said we're having an in-season tournament, I thought, okay, cool, so that'll be, like, a week or, like, two weeks' worth of time in a row. It's right. to me that some games are in season tournaments and then some games are not in season tournament. I think that makes it worse. I think this it would be a more effective execution if all of the games in the tournament happened in a tightened window. I'm I'm going to go to my grave knowing that's the case. Uh I really feel strongly about that. It, I was going to say uh well the teams that don't make it won't be playing in those games and maybe that's not good for the league but that's going to happen anyways so why wouldn't you do it in a tight window of time it's a tournament you should keep this in a tight window of time tell me i'm wrong no i mean everyone's in the tournament too so it's not like a soccer situation where only a couple of teams are involved but i think like i said i don't have a strong opinion about the tournament itself but i do think that it kind of ruined the viewing experience from a scheduling point of view um because good example is on Saturday there were like 12 games on almost you know they were staggered a little bit but not that much they were kind of like three games you know here four games here whatever and then you know on Sunday to avoid football there were like absolutely no games on TV and I think part of that is they had to front load the schedule so much with the in-season tournament and for, for a split second I thought that the knockout games this week we're going to be all played in the same place, like in Vegas or something just to make it like a little interesting. But I guess with the arena scheduling and the home and away uh, balance for each team, they can't mess with that. So I just think it just really harms the scheduling and the ability to watch teams that aren't your local team. Right. So I, I don't love that aspect of it at all. I think they should just, you know, bite the bullet and actually do the thing and just like shut down the regular season or whatever they want to do for a week or two or whatever. It'll be interesting to see how this, cause I do believe the NBA will commit to it. It'll be interesting to see how mm-hmm. they improve it. And my gut tells me they will tighten the window of time 
and I agree with you, uh, 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 centralize some of the gameplay in Vegas. I think it will make it feel different and special. And I think right now it's it's feeling like a haphazard regular season gimmick. Uh, I also want to just quickly say the courts to me are a huge disaster. Not up oh, for God. debate. Abandon those courts immediately. They're so bad. They're so bad. I mean, even at one point, I, I, I read a story that in installing the courts, I forgot what team it was. They messed up the three-point line yes. distance. Yes. <laughs> so they had to fix that Crazy. last minute, or they actually had to play oh. with, like, a the regular court maybe. I don't remember Crazy. what they did to fix it. But it's just – it's a lot already with these arenas having to switch out the floors for hockey and shit. So I don't know. I, I just don't enjoy looking at them mainly. I just don't enjoy looking at them. And the jerseys are mostly terrible too. Agreed. Full agree. Uh, the next credential back into Wemby. The next credential, test of time. This is when we compare this moment against other – uh, moments like it in past let's go right to Shaq have there been other you know Wemby had 38 in his fifth game Shaq had 35 in his third game he had 35 13 3 1 and 1 in his third game uh, as a rookie against Philly against the Sixers Shaq had 38 16 boards three assists two steals and eight blocks and might I add no three-pointers there were moments during this game I rewatched. This was a real joy of mine today. Rewatching rookie Shaq against the Sixers score 38. There were moments where Shaq's running back up the court and he's laughing. He's visibly laughing because it's just him housing dudes. He's just fucking dunking on Manute Bowl. He's uh, taking jumpers over Andrew Lang. He just absolutely dices up the Sixers and he's laughing. So in terms of like 38 points from a, you know, a talented rookie center, have we ever seen it? As we're debating whether this thing goes into the first battle hall of fame, like we have seen it. Shaq had 35 in his third game. He had 38, 16 and three, two and eight fucking blocks. I mean, he's arguably had a much better game than Wemby's 38 against the Suns, which might I add is over Nurk and Eubanks. Shaq was so dominant doing things that we had already seen and that what centers were doing in that time. Mm. He was just playing in a way that was like every other setter in the league, just way, way better, way more powerful. And the Wembenyama thing was seeing kind of a, a full realization of something that we had not really seen before. We can look at these stats and we can look at the game and we can look at the highlights and go, Victor Wembenyama is a good player. Maybe he's a great player and maybe he's going to be a legendary player. Again, his season stacks up and his highlights in his game and his play stack up very well against other dudes. But that's not the question we're asking today. The question we're asking is, does this 38-point breakout game make the first ballot Hall of Fame? And if you can compare it to other games and go, oh, shit, there are other better games from rookies, then then maybe we have to consider whether this mm -hmm. thing makes it into our, into our hall. Something to consider. Uh, can we talk quickly about Jesus Amaro? Sure. How will you remember those guys and how will you remember that show? I think the show or the thing that's important to me about this show and a lot of other things that I've been, you know, lucky to be involved with is DeSamara was never the most popular show or the most popular late night show on TV at any point. Not during the Showtime run, not during the Vice run. But the people who were fans of DeSamara the show and that, those guys mattered so much mm -hmm. to them. And I think they did something that mattered to other people. And, and that's what I will always remember about it. And like, that's what I think about when I think about my own career with different things. Like, did I do something that people cared about? Mm -hmm. um, so that's like the number one thing. People cared so much about those guys and what they do and hopefully still do to some extent. I, I know they do because people still talk to me about, about them and about the show. So I think the thing that I'll always take away from that is they did something that really mattered to a lot of people. Uh, were you on the Viceland show? I was doing uh, their social for the Viceland. So like the DiSamero Viceland, Twitter, Instagram, that stuff. I was uh, running their socials. So I wasn't producing the show or writing on the show yet, um, but I was doing their socials back then. Amazing. Um, the, the Viceland show, I mean, both shows, but the Viceland show 
man, that thing came on like a fucking bat out of hell. That thing was so good, so early. And as you said, uh, mattered. And I mean, that's something that, that, you know, that's a word that we use on this show all the time. That show mattered right out of the gate. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, tour de force right out of the gate. I, I love their, their voice line show. It was so fucking good. Um, do you have yourself from your time working on the show, either Viceland or Showtime, do you have a favorite moment from the show? From the Viceland days, I think the best thing that happened, obviously, was the the DJ Envy beef when they were on the morning show, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, The yeah, Breakfast yeah. Club. And uh, basically, <laughs> that happened. I think they were basically on the show, and I like was kind of trying to catch up to see like to watch the clips and to see what happened because people were already starting to talk about it and we had a we had an episode i think that night after it came out i don't know if they recorded it the same yeah they must have recorded the same day it was like a radio show um and being the social media person uh i was so excited to kind of just like wade into what people were talking about so i remember like like going to my desk and like logging into like the dsmero like Twitter or whatever. And I just was just typed, you know, just got my DJ envy tattoo. Did anything happen while I was gone? And like, that just sparked a a, a long fun day of just like tweeting very funny things. And like here, here seeing a lot of funny tweets and like being able to like talk to the fans about it. And that was just a really um, fun day of work that I'll always remember. Fantastic. Uh, uh, Rob, it's time for a segment we do on the show. It's called this or that. There's a little intro for the segment. God, it's brutal to have to do this in front of you, but listen, bear with me for just one second. There's a little intro. Let's listen to it together. That. Okay. It's this or that. I'm going to present you a, a scenario. There are two options. You have to either choose this or that. Here we go. Rob, who is the better defender, Scottie Pippen or Tim Duncan? I'm going Duncan. Wow. I wow. I don't believe I don't I think you're wrong there. I'm gonna just say that out loud. <laughs> Who's the better big white lunk? We love our big white lunks here on this podcast. Who is the better big white lunk? Matt Geiger or Marcin Gortat? Ooh, I'm going with Gortat because of the uh, the alleged criminal ties and the Polish <laughs> hammer nickname. <laughs> That's a great answer because the Polish hammer nickname fucking matters. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. It absolutely yes. matters. All right. Who is the better NBA player right now? Right now, today. And I would basically define that by saying you got to win tonight's game. Who is the better player right at this moment? Victor Wembanyama or Chet Holmgren? I'm still taking Wembenyama there. I'm taking Wembenyama there because I think that he'll. Yeah, yeah. I also have to look at it like if we're talking about like you can take him out of the context that he's in. Like if you swap them, I think OKC would be a monster, and and Chet is great, but yeah, but I think that like individual talent, I'd still take Wembenyama for one game. Great answer. Uh, Better looking jumper who has the better looking jumper? Steve Nash, Clay Thompson. I'm going to take Nash in this case. Yeah, I'm going to take Nash. He just has like, it's just picture perfect. It's picture. I watched, I remember going to Phoenix Suns game, uh, a Knicks Suns game when he was still in the league and watching warmups and he just doesn't miss in warmups. It looks exactly the same from every distance. He jumps the same height. There's, there are guys in the league who can shoot bad shots and who can like, their fundamentals or their footing could be off and they can still make the bucket and just Nash never had any of that because he didn't have to. I, I, I couldn't agree. I totally agree with you. Form perfect on any shot he was taking from anywhere on the floor, mm-hmm. no matter the circumstance. Clay Thompson's is, I love Clay Thompson's jumper, but it's almost too mechanized. It's almost too like robotic yeah. uh, to yeah. be considered beautiful. All right. Most entertaining player. Who's the more entertaining player? Latrell Sprewell or J.R. Smith? Oh, I gotta go with Jr. Yeah, I, I think I think Latrell traditional traditional success playoffs all that. Obviously, I'm going with Latrell, but Jr. is is more into in more entertaining for a variety of reasons. We're we're talking about entertainment, not necessarily yeah. that he did something good. <laughs> and who's the better late night host, Jesus or Marrow? Ooh, better late night host. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't I can't choose. Uh, the only guy I've seen do it 
by himself is Jesus so far. Right. So we, we we have that counting in his favor. I'll give him that and acknowledge that. But God, I miss that job. I would love to have them both back. So I'm not going to choose and, and and wreck any small chance of them, <laughs> you know, settling their differences. So, you know, I love Jesus and Mero both. <laughs> Uh, I will let you off the hook. Uh, the next credential, Twitter fingers. Any great tweets about this moment? There were a few. Zach Harper, my guy Zach Harper, has been on the show a bunch. He tweeted, this is the worst Wemby will ever be in his career. And that is f- fucking super scary and almost <laughs> certainly 100% true. Uh, Nick Angstat, at Nick Van Exit, uh, on Twitter tweeted, I don't think the U.S. is going to have quote, the best player in the NBA for a while. Jokic, Giannis, Luka, and Wemby. Good luck beating any of them for that label for 20 years. I think he's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's been a long goddamn time that the best player hasn't been American. And it looks like they could hold that title for a long, long time. Crazy to think about. Yeah, they're just going to be passing that around, unfortunately, for a while. Uh, next credential MVP, the most valuable part. What was the most valuable part of this moment for you? Was there something, was there a particular play? Was there a moment within this game that sticks out to you as the most valuable part? I guess it was just like, it was more the, the fulfillment of like the promise that we were, that, that he has and that like, this will be this like five games in it happening. Five games in is probably the most important thing for me. Right. It was like, oh, this is real. This is real now. I, I love. It's that not answer. theoretical, right? Yeah, I, I I would actually agree with you. I was I I really like that spin move on Eubanks where he spins baseline yes. and goes under and the then basket. goes up and under. Exactly. Yeah, that was gorgeous. It was Beals, my favorite play from the night. But I think I mm-hmm. agree with you. I think it's the how early it happened and the fact that it made us all believe that oh my god, this kid is going to spe- be special. I think you're right. I think that is the most uh, important part. We'll see if that's good yep. enough to make it into the first ballot Hall of Fame. Uh, I see the clock is almost running down on us. It's almost time for America's favorite podcast segment. It's called More Important. Robert, do you know the podcast segment More Important? I do not. Okay, perfect. Please explain. No, no, no. It's devastating that you would say that out loud. (laughs) My feelings are deeply hurt. But on the other hand, it's going to really help me here in a second. Uh, Robert, you're a legend at Twitter. That's, again, not up for debate. But what do you think the league needs to do better with their social media? Is social media hurting the game of basketball at all? Your thoughts? No, I think it's... Oh, I'm so sorry, Robert. We don't have time for any of that bullshit because it's time for something more important. Robert, I'm about to ask you a series of questions that are all far more important than any of the bullshit you were just making up. Nobody cares about the fucking league and their social media. Uh, Your answer to these questions will define who you are as a man on this planet. Are you ready for more important? Okay, now I'm ready after getting that. I guess that was a payback for uh, not being a religious listener of this pod. Robert, what? What is the best breakfast cereal of all time? Not your favorite, the best breakfast cereal of all time. I'm somehow going to go more boring than my favorite, but the best breakfast cereal of all time then is cornflakes. Just plain cornflakes. Plain the white cornflakes. box with the black and the bird, like the rooster on it. You're going plain cornflakes. It's the best. I think it, I think wow. it's the objective best. <laughs> it's not wow. my favorite. Okay, so hold it's... on. What's your favorite? Frosted Flakes, okay. which is a funny thing to follow up with. <laughs> Just like add some sugar on that, and then now we're now we're cooking with gas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Best or favorite television show? You can either choose your best favorite, the best television show you've ever watched, or your favorite TV show. Best or favorite TV show? I'm gonna have to go with Seinfeld. I know that's what people expect, but I will say that I was watching Seinfeld before I recorded this pod. It still makes me laugh, it's and la- like it's so old, and it still makes me laugh. And there are very few things that still make me laugh, even though I know exactly what's gonna happen every moment. Next, next question, leading right into it. More important to Seinfeld, George or Elaine? I'm sorry, call me sexist, but. It's George. It's George by a landslide. It's George by a landslide. And I don't think there's even a debate. I mean, Elaine's great, but she's no George. No one is. Fantastic. Uh, And the the last question, more important, Rob McRae, name something that really kicks ass. Name something that really kicks ass. That's a a broad question. 
That's exactly uh, right. Napping. Naps. <laughs> naps naps kick, kick ass. ass. Fantastic. Naps are the best. Really good job and more important. Uh, it's time for the cosign. Rob, the floor is yours. The microphone is yours. Does Victor Wembanyama's 38-point breakout game against the Suns, does it belong in the first ballot Hall of Fame and why? I'm going to go against my general uh... – lack of i usually lack conviction in most things that i say and believe um but i am pretty sure this game does not belong in the hall of fame and the reason why is while this game was you know great confirmation and important confirmation of what most of us expected and wanted to see out of him uh we probably won't look back at it as significant because he's hopefully going to have a long career of these moments and be fulfilling his potential throughout and he'll have even better games you know this season probably and we'll remember those games um this is not going to be a game that's up there with like you know the double nickel or something like right. that um and i also think just as a sport in the nba we generally don't look back at like a player's first great game and really think about that too often uh, because, as I said, you know, if they have a long career, they're going to have other moments that are going to like take precedence over the things that we really, truly remember. And if he doesn't have a long career, then it will be kind of like a tragic thing that will just be lost to history. But yep. I don't think that's going to happen with this guy. But, um, yeah, I don't think it belongs. I just don't think it'll be something we really look back at. Uh, it won't stand the test of time. It's time for the induction speech. That's when I and Neil get to decide whether this thing goes into the first ballot hall of fame. Listen, I'm going to take everything Robert said into account here. I could take everything. I could just, I could just agree with uh, uh, Robert, or I could go completely against him. It's my decision. I can do whatever I want here. Ultimately, I couldn't agree with Robert Moore. This is it's a no for me for getting into the first ballot Hall of Fame. A great game, fantastic! Congratulations to Wemby. If I got to choose the most impressive thing I've seen from Wemby, it's by far and away that goddamn stretching video. It's <laughs> fucking nuts. And it to me, I, I look at that stretching video and I go, "That's how I know this kid's going to stay healthy." And that's what makes me believe more than anything that this kid's going to be a legend. And if and when the Spurs or Wembenyama's team, whoever he might play for, when they win the title, because there's only been two times in my NBA watching career that I've looked at a kid and thought, it's a matter of time before this kid wins the title. LeBron, Shaq, and Wembenyama. He is the third guy. I watched that stretching video and went, "This, it's just a matter of time. <laughs> and when he does win a title... I'm going to come back to that stretching video and go, that thing's going to the first battle hall of fame. It won't be this 38 point breakout game. Thank you so much for being on the show, Robert. You were fantastic. What are you working on? What do you have coming up? Uh, how can people support you? Uh, not a whole lot at the moment. Just uh, looking for things to do, working for some work. Uh, but you can follow me at, at YC on Twitter. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at YC.718. Um, you can do that and that'll be plenty of support. I appreciate you guys. And thanks for having me on support this man. I really appreciate you coming on Robert. You're fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It was great. It was a lot of fun. That's it. That's the show. My thanks to YC, Mr. Robert McCray for coming on the show. Twitter legend, Jesus and Marrow legend. Blessed to have him on the show. Credits, Rob, Bob, Jessica, EJ, rhythm, J and DA. That's the team. My thanks to them as always. And please come back next week for more first battle. It's about life.